You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. We know you would like to sit next to him in the dugout or in his office, but this is your chance to chat with the manager of the Minnesota Twins. This is the Paul Molitor Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Made in Minnesota, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of the Paul Molitor Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. Well, it's a glorious Sunday morning. We're glad to have you with us here as we kick off what will be a big day, a fun day of Twins baseball across our network, and we are leading off with the Paul Molitor Show. It's brought to you, as always, by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. A couple of Minnesota-made legends right here in studio. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. And, Paul, as always, good morning to you, and thank you once again for taking care of business on a Saturday night. Make these conversations all the more fun, right? Well, good morning to you, gentlemen. It does make it a little better coming on here on Sunday when we come off a win. And uh, it hasn't happened as much lately as it maybe was in the middle of the season there, but it's it, it was a good win last night. Probably one of our better team wins of the year in terms of, you know, everyone kind of feeling like they were involved. The pitching was outstanding. Made a lot of plays. Uh didn't have a ton of chances to score runs, but I thought our guys grinded out their bats fairly well, and we came out on top. So, yeah, good to be here on a beautiful day, as you said. It really is beautiful. Gorgeous, gorgeous fall day. Paul, uh, in the last week, we've seen kind of the emergence of a young guy that has struggled. Byron Buxton has seemed to have been a different kid. At the plate, on the field, he's always been pretty steady, but uh, talk about what he's done since he's come back up. Well, Jack, he's uh, always been a, a uh, pleasurable subject for me to talk about because I, I have so much uh, respect for this young man in terms of you know his attitude, uh, his humility, how he's had to deal with you know everything from being a top pick to number one expectation from the Meyer Leagues. And it's been you know one of those up and down things which he's had to endure and figure out and try to apply and go back and forth. And this time around, uh, at least here over the uh, the short term, the results have been better. Now, I, I'm you know me, I'm always a little wary of getting too far out. Start you know building a guy up, and then it, it starts to level off, or maybe he has to go backwards just a little bit in terms of performance. You know, it's it's been fun to watch. So I, I think he's up at the plate. I I can tell that he's got a a fairly good plan according to who he's facing and what he wants to do. Sometime the picture pitcher can change your plan by how effective he executes his pitches but um, the results have been there the whole power thing has been a little bit surprising for me not that I didn't think he could hit over the fence but I didn't think at this stage we'd be seeing him in bunches which he's kind of done between AAA and up here so we're just looking for a, a, a kid to continue to mature and, and hopefully be a part of where we're trying to go you know you said something about Byron uh, earlier this week in that uh, I thought was really illustrative was we don't know yet what type of hitter he's going to be because he does have so many skills. You mentioned the power. Is he going to be a, a guy who hits it on the ground and runs with his great speed? Is he going to be more than that line drive guy, power guy? It, is part of his current run of success maybe forgetting about trying to guess what he's going to be and just letting him be him right I, now? I think he's kind of – I think that's how he's viewing it. You know, I, I, I was joking somewhat that maybe I was – along with my coaches, going down the wrong path of what we were trying to get him to do with the, with the power that we've seen. But, uh, you know, it's true for 
you know, so many talented young players that there is a process of kind of unfolding into at least somewhat the type player you're going to be on a more consistent basis. I, you know, Kirby Puckett for the Twins fans, that's probably an easy uh, comparison in that, you know, he came up and, he, you know, he, he ran pretty good despite kind of a, you know, that barrel-chested body that he had. And I don't really think he hit a home run his first year. I think, like, within two years he hit 24, you know. So it's just one of those things that will we'll take some time. I, I think whatever he develops into, it's going to be good. And right now my gut is it's going to be a combination of terrorize the other team on the bases and watch out if you make a mistake. And I'm, a lot of ways I'm going to be able to beat you. Paul, you've always been, and you just admitted that you've always been cautious to uh, really jump on the bandwagon with the young kid when he's going well. Um, remove yourself from the manager's spot, and let's just go back to all the years you watched the game. Mm-hmm. In general, wh- you know, is there a time frame that you would say, I need to watch this guy for X amount of at-bats or X amount of innings, X amount of years before I really understand what kind of player he's going to be? I think, you know, if you take away the manager's perspective that, you know, you can kind of generalize some of those types of things. Uh, There's always going to be exceptions. You know, you'll get some young people that come up here that figure out a little bit more quickly or their ability just is so good that um, they're able to uh, come up here and and do things, you know, rather quickly. You know, you you look at a guy like Trout, for example, people like that. But... um, you know, I, I follow the wisdom of people that I've been around, you know, the TKs of the world, that they were probably a lot more uh, in tune to being able to figure some of those things out in terms of numbers. And, and I listen to what they say, and then you watch, and it's, it comes out to be true more times than not, that you have to see these guys play for a while. I, I got a pretty good feel of talent and ability and, and the makeup of these individuals, which I think is a huge component of what they're going to mm-hmm. be able to do up here. And then... They like you said earlier. They just go out there and play and and, and let let the chips fall where they may. Very interesting start, fun start to what should be a great day of baseball here at Target Field. We'll take our first break on the Paul Molitor Show. When we come back, want to talk about James Bearsford. He got his first start last night, his first hit, maybe saved the game with a couple of glove plays at third early on. We'll talk about Paul's history with James and what a great moment it was when we return on your home for Twins baseball. Mother, mother, ocean. I've heard you call, wanted to sail upon your waters. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Pleased to have you with us on the Paul Molitor Show, brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer. Paul is here in studio. Always fun to have uh, everybody in the same room. Jack Morris is here. Uh, we've been talking about James Beresford, and I guess we should refer to him like everybody does as Jimmy, because that's what everybody calls him, and he is beloved by the guys who played with him coached him, managed him throughout the minor leagues, and last night was obviously a really special night for him. And it, it wasn't just him, Paul. You've known him for 10 years. You've been working with him since he was a, uh, a teenager, not much older than your son is now uh, when he signed coming over from Australia. And uh, just a genuinely special night to be a part of, to see him make his big league debut and get that hit. You know, it was a special night, and uh, I'm not sure if the fans can totally grasp uh, the story behind Jimmy's uh journey to get here but I I had you know I was fortunate to be around him a lot in the minor leagues and watch him try to climb and find a way to hang on to hope that someday he might get to the big leagues you know he was he's a he's a skinny kid it never really had a lot of power we always talked about trying to get his body to develop a little bit to give him a little more strength but even in the years when he was young and 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 maybe another 
if he even can imagine, and 25 pounds lighter. Um, he found a way to get hits, and he was always a guy who did the little things in the game well, the, the execution, like we saw last night with the bunt, you know, throwing the ball to the right base and being able to slow the game down. But, you know, he had to uh, toil his way through um, a lot of things, uh, first becoming a minor league free agent for the first time and, you know, coming back to the Twins more than once when he had an opportunity to maybe try to find his way to the big league somewhere else. So, you know, a decade of your time in the minor leagues, you know, trying to find a way to get here, it was great that it finally worked out. And the emotion last night was was very real. A lot of guys on this team very close to Jimmy. They've been around him. And, uh, you know, I was looking for a good chance to play him. Last night was a, a good fit, and he and he was a big part of the game, you know, keeping that ball in the infield on Santana and starting a big double play, got the, got the hit. You know, he, he had a nice first night. I'm sure he was a little bit nervous, but it was it was very special for me to be able to present him with that first hit ball after the game. What was the what was the best part of the whole evening for you? Was it watching that first hit or post-game uh, reactions? You know, talk about what was really uh, the most emotional for you. Well, I think letting him know. Uh, not the most special part, but letting him know before the game of, of, that he was playing and then uh, just watching him prepare, um, going through uh, his first night. You know, I was told by Chad Allen that maybe 1% of the times he swings at the first pitch, but the first at bat, he swung at the first pitch. I think nerves probably got the best of him. But uh, I think at the end of the game, Jack, to come off a win, which was uh, a very – well-rounded team win um, to be able to call him up uh, as well as um, Shagwa for his first win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to to have Jimmy come up in front of the team and and have him say a few words and see the emotion that he spoke with, uh, that, that was the highlight for me. It was perfect, really, because all through that 10 years, you don't last 10 years. If A, you can't play, and he's always been able to play. But everybody who's managed him or coached him says, well, he doesn't jump out at you with the one skill, but he makes plays that help you win and last night that's kind of what he did whether it was the bunt whether it was keeping Santana's ball on the infield starting a double play uh and everybody who's managed him has said that so I guess fitting Paul that in his major league debut he did those type of things uh and and you win a ball game well I think that there are players maybe with a little different skill sets that potentially can maybe help you win games in more ways but Jimmy's one of those guys that rarely is the reason you lose a game uh he, he, you know, he doesn't beat himself. He doesn't beat up your team. He, do, he does those little things, and you know that has value. So um, I'm, I'm contemplating, depending on the status of a few guys in the clubhouse today, and and maybe get a chance to run him back out there again today. Talk a little bit about. You brought up an interesting point, and it just leads to a question that I've been thinking about for a long time. The importance of guys on a team that may not have the talent. Everybody dreams about the kid that's got all the talent in the world, and then he's got the mental fortitude to go out there and be the kind of guy that pushes himself beyond and uh, motivation, self-motivation, all those kind of things. But talk about the value of, of guys on the team that may not have those skills, but yet show just by their determination, work ethic, all that kind of thing, sure. uh, other guys that how fortunate they are to have the skills. Well, I, I think those guys make a difference on teams, and, and generally those type of guys are winning players. They've been forced to push themselves to another level because of maybe not having the raw skill of some of the more talented guys. Uh, a couple of quick examples. I don't know if the people out there can remember David Eckstein, who played for the mm-hmm. Cardinals, and definitely not the most talented guy on the field. You watch him play shortstop, and his throw is maybe a little bit more reminiscent of a, of a high school throw than a big league throw. 
but uh, one of the more valuable players on championship teams. I played with a guy named Jim Gantner in Milwaukee. He played 17 years, and he was a guy that a lot of people thought never would sniff the big leagues. But he was maybe one of our more valuable players just because of the fact that every day he was going to do something special in terms of effort and showing the appreciation of putting on a major league uniform every day he had the opportunity. Or pounding Lombo at second base and starting a big brawl. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe my personal toughest out. I, I think yeah, I single-handedly right. kept him in the big leagues forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's It's one of those things where everybody has that he guy. He owned me. Absolutely owned me. And that's always instant with you, too. Yeah. Like you never even have to think about it. No, yeah. I don't. It's you know For 17 years, I always thought I could get him out, that he would never get a hit, and he would just four for five, five for five. <laughs> I, I kind of had forgotten that, Jack. I'm yeah. sorry I brought no, it up. No, no problem. Him, but, you know, I, I respect that myself. Yes. I really do. Yeah. 308 career. That's what Geno's telling us. 308 career against Jack Morris. Uh, hang that on the wall. That's not bad. Not Kept bad him alive. All. Kept him around. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to get into something with you guys about September baseball. When we return, it's the Paul Molitor Show. I'm your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Paul Molitor Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Paul, Jackie in studio here. And, guys, September baseball, uh, it's a different animal and, and on a lot of different fronts. One, when you're in the race and you guys have been there, it, it just feels different. You can't wait to get there. The thing, though, that always seems odd to me is this expansion of rosters. It leads to great stories like, like James Beresford's, and there's great reasons for it. But by the same token, a game that you've grinded at for five months becomes a totally different game for the last month of the year, whether it's playing matchups in the fifth inning, whether it's being like the Royals and having a, a designated pinch runner in the fifth and then another one that you use later on. What are your thoughts on that in terms of playing by one set of rules for, for the bulk of the summer and then suddenly down the stretch when it's really crunch time, whole different set of rules? Well, I, you know, through the years, I you know, player, coach, I, I didn't think a lot about expanded rosters. I, I've thought about it more here in the last uh, couple of years. It's uh, it's a, it makes it difficult to manage. It's it's hard to stay up with the potential map uh, matchups when you have 35 people to deal with on a team. Um, you know, I think baseball has endured the fact that we've done it for a long time. It, it might need a little bit of tweaking and, and try to balance out, you know, how we're going to go forward with it. But um, you know, I understand it. You know, you protect people from getting hurt late in the year, and you get people like Jimmy, like you mentioned, opportunities to see the big leagues. You get some of your maybe future players uh, exposed to what the major league life is like. And then you have contending teams that are going to try to fill every possible gap that they can in terms of finding ways to win games down the stretch. So it just seems funny when some teams have more than others and this and that. I don't know if we can cap it or rotate on a given day how, what, how many players you can have active to play. But I think that's one subject that will be looked at a little bit more closely and how we may, maybe can tighten that up. Paul, I imagine sitting in the manager's seat, uh, you have two different looks at that. If you're a team that's contending or a team that uh, is not, I mean, do you have an opinion one way or the other of whether you'd like to limit it to a smaller number or do you are you in favor of just you know filling up the 40-man roster? I I think my reaction, Jack, either being in it or now not being in it, uh, would be to limit the number to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that if you can just make it a little bit more uh, even across the board, uh, you get quite a, uh, a variety of teams and how many spots in that 40 they fill in September. Um, 
I, you know, the work for myself and coaches, it's 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 fine. It's just extra work. You know, we're going to play the Mets next weekend, and not only we have to worry about 25, we got to worry about 35. But it, it's just uh, it's something where I think if they could just maybe settle on a number where you'd have to stay under, uh, it might make it a little bit better for everybody. One one thing that always gets me is let's say four game series and you beat up the starter in game one. During the regular season, that's a big deal because you've just earned now an advantage for the next three days, and now that that's taken away, that always strikes me as, as kind of odd. We've got to take another break, guys, and then we'll have one final last segment we'll talk about today. We'll talk about the games to come here. It's the Paul Molitor Show, and it's right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. This is the Paul Molitor Show final segment. Again, it's a big day across our network. Uh, Rob Anthony's in studio with Corey Provis. That's around noon for Inside Twins. 1230 is our lineup card. And then baseball this afternoon before the Twins hit the road uh, to Detroit and then on to New York City for a final look at interleague play. Today, though, it's Jose Barrios, and that's obviously something uh, really with all your starters, whether it was Hector last night, Tyler Duffy the night before. You're still looking to see them. What, how they deal with situations, how they deal with uh, facing first-place teams and, and teams that are playing for an awful lot. Uh, what did you see from Jose last time out, and what do you hope to see today? You know, I, I think with our starting pitching, it's it's been a rough year overall, and we're still trying to find, you know, kind of at least some type of foundation of, of what we can look forward to. I think when we talk about Jose, you know, you, you have to still believe that his ceiling is fairly high uh, despite – the fact that he's had some struggles here at this level. But we're just looking for incremental improvement in, in the things that we're trying to work on and get him to do uh, better. And, and uh, you know, Jack knows, and you guys probably tired of hearing me about fastball command and how important that is for a starting pitcher. But when you can throw as hard as he can, four seam, two seam, um, he's got a good enough breaking pitch and change up to, you know, to make himself an effective pitcher here. But he's got to continue to work on that fastball. And I think as calm as he seems on the outside, I think he still gets a little nervous. Uh, he's getting better in that regard. But these are opportunities to, to grow, to gain experience. I think each start he kind of breaks down and looks at the good, looks at the bad, and tries to make himself a better pitcher. Paul, you mentioned uh, fastball control or command, and, and I think that's a huge part of what, you know, going hand-in-hand hand with damage control. This is the issue, I think, that we've seen with him that, you know, when it starts going bad, all of a sudden a crooked number is up on sure. the scoreboard. and You know, what is there a thing that you look for or talk to Jose about um, maybe – backing off the throttle a little bit or just focusing more on where the location is? Well, I, I think their tendency, especially if you have a strong arm, is to try to throw harder. Mm-hmm. And when you throw harder, you, your chance of getting where you want to become less and less. So I think the repetition in the bullpen uh, with his sides and things that he's doing with flat ground are, are all about, you know, figuring out a way mechanically to continue to get the ball in the at least somewhat uh, close proximity to where you're trying to get it, and then you minimize. You know, instead of giving up a three-run homer, you might be giving up a two-out base hit or whatever it is. But you learn to minimize, and you do keep those crooked numbers off the board. Was that something as a hitter that you would would see? Would you see, okay, hey, this guy tends to, you know, maybe try to reach back, and, and then you could take advantage of? Do veteran hitters see that? I think they do. I think you watch some of the teams we play that have a little bit more experience in the batter's box. You know, the Kansas City, some of these guys here in Cleveland, they, you know, they'll. They're willing to concede pitchers' pitches, even if they're strikes early in the count, because they're 
uh, confident enough to know that there's a good chance somewhere out throughout the bat they're going to get a pitch to hit. So, um, yes, experienced hitters against young guys, usually the advantage goes to the experience. You're facing a guy that's done well against you. He's done well against everybody. Corey Kluber <laughs> is, a, is a major league pitcher by every standard, sure. I guess. Um, you know, today, and I don't know as though I really want to mention this ugly word, but uh, you got Kluber on the mound with a chance of losing sure. your 90th game. Uh, you know, I know you've got a young pitcher out there, but uh, when you when you go about today's lineup, are you thinking about how to beat Kluber more than you know anything else, and, and or is it more about giving Jose the the people behind him that you think helps him? It's usually a combination, Jack. I think some days when uh, you look at your team, you decide on where you got what are you going to emphasize? A, a way to maybe have a, a lineup that can manufacture some runs against a good pitcher. You want to make sure that you support your young pitcher with people that can defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, you're considering the health of your team and who's available and all those type of things. So. Um, there's a lot of lot of factors, and, and at the end of the day, it's not easy because we don't have a lot of guys that are just inked in on a daily basis. So uh, uh, included with that are interchangeable parts. Uh, I'm waiting on the status of a couple of guys today. You know, Joe's been fighting through that leg thing, and, and I'm going to talk to him this morning. That's kind of will be a, a, one of the keys is how I end up shaping the lineup today. All right, good stuff. Very interesting conversation uh, today. We always appreciate it when you're in studio here and your insights on uh, a wide variety of baseball stuff. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll get two in a row here today. Uh, go for All it. Right. Win a series and uh, hit the road uh, with smiles on our faces. It's Jack Morris and Paul Molitor. This is the Paul Molitor Show. Do stick around. Inside Twins, just a shade afternoon. We've got the pregame lineup cut at uh, noon 30, and then it's uh, a 1 o'clock first pitch here today. Barrios versus Kluber on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to the Paul Molitor Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.